Hello and welcome to Around the Outside, a brand new podcast for the Formula One fanatic. I'm Jake Peach and with me is my lifelong friend and equally passionate F1 fan, Chris Moss. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Jake. How is yourself? Not too bad. Very excited for this brand new podcast that we're starting. And basically, to be honest, because we're just bored in lockdown. And secondly, I think it's also coupled with the, the boredom that F1 fans face in the break. Um, and so but both, both of those combined together, we just felt like we had to start podcasts and get a lot of things off our chest. Uh, and firstly, a big thank you for people who are listening to this first podcast. We uh, really appreciate you listening. And we're looking forward to building a community of, of F1 fans just like us. And luckily, we're not sponsored, so you can enjoy more time listening to our lovely dulcet tones and less time listening to the ads. So we'll be uploading episodes as we go through the season, reacting to races, off-track drama and all the pit lane politics that make the sport tick. We'll even have some special guests along the way, taking a look across the pinnacle of motorsport, but also looking outside the sport across other formulas and series of motorsport. So for our first episode, we thought it'd be good to introduce ourselves to you and how we fell in love with Formula One because everyone's got their own story right of how they how they sort of caught the bug as it were uh, and what to expect from the podcast throughout the season and beyond so well you know it's the first episode and yeah we're not really sure how this is going to go we just thought we would share our nerdy passions for the sport because both of me and Chris uh we first met in year eight of school is that right yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we both realised we were massive fans of the sport, and sort of gradually as we got to know each other a bit more, I think um, we just started talking about it even more, and then we kind of just shared our passion as many uh, fans that will be listening to this do in uh, in a group chat or um, sending each other um, Formula One memes that were, that also go around as we know through through our, on social media, um, and then yeah, we both kind of just. This is this this kind of podcast, I guess, has been blossoming for the last few years, and now it's finally here, and we can share our nerdy passions with all of you. And I'm sure there'll be uh, stories that you guys have to tell that are listening. Uh, that how you first, you know, found a community of of F1 fans, and I think it's really special, especially with Formula One, because a lot of people say, "Oh my God, it's a really boring sport. How can you love it?" And like when two fans have the have the same passion for it and you find that other person, I think it's a really cool moment because a lot of people watch it casually, don't they? Or they don't invest themselves as much as maybe me and you would. No, for sure. And say growing up, I, I didn't really know anybody else that watched Formula One. And my family didn't particularly watch it um, until I started watching it religiously either. So... You know, when you finally meet somebody else that watches it, it's it's a cool experience. You finally have someone else you can connect with. You can, you know, talk about things, and like you can then build. Like, say we we've been best friends for God nearly eleven. Too years long. Now, and <laughs> <laughs> too long for some. And uh, but yeah, no, and say you know our friendship. Say it's heavily around F one, but you know we've got other passions that we uh, follow together as well. Yeah, but you know what f1 is definitely a sport where if you find people as passionate as you 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 can make lifelong friends and that's that's a great thing about the sport as well yeah without doubt and 
um yeah and here we are making a podcast about it it's crazy i'm so i'm so excited that we're doing it um and going along the way we'd love to hear how you guys got uh, into the sport uh, as well we'll be on social media um you can find us on facebook uh, around the outside podcast we've got a page started there uh, also uh, we're on instagram and twitter as well we're going to be on there uh, at ato podcast underscore uh, so it's at ato podcast underscore um so i think next it would be good to maybe highlight our first memories of formula one because everyone will perhaps remember when the the first race they watched or how they kind of fell into it. Uh, Chris, what what was the sort of definitive moment where you started like watching uh, on ITV uh, every weekend? Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd say the first race I very much remember would be the 2005 Indy Grand Prix. Um, obviously, big uh, chaotic uh, tyre issues, uh, the Michelin's not being able to run, only the six Bridgestone cars able to take part in that race. Obviously, it, it brought up a lot of news stories because of, you know, the tyres mm. being quite dangerous. And um, I do remember watching that race, seeing only six cars, wondering, where is everyone else? Was that the first uh, time you watched Formula One? Uh, that was one of the first times <laughs> I, I actually remember watching it. I, I, I had seen it on the TV in the past, and mm. I, I, do, I did actually have the F1 1997 game on the PlayStation. <laughs> so I did know F1. I just didn't watch it growing up as, yeah. as much as, say, watching football. But that was definitely the first Grand Prix I watched, but I didn't catch the bug from that race, obviously being six cars there. It wasn't really no. much of a bug I to mean, catch. What a first rate. It was so bizarre because there, there basically there was a whole debate around the safety of the uh, Michelin, and it was Bridgestone, wasn't it, tyres? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so a lot of the teams, uh, well, there was a lot of debate over the weekend and a lot of the team said, "Look, we're not gonna we're not gonna go in this race if uh, this is still gonna go ahead, and we are, you know, gonna be on these tires." And yeah, literally, I think there was the formation lap, and all the cars just peeled into the pits. And of course, the it was the Indy where the Indy five hundred is, and obviously the stadium is filled with fans, and you just see all these cars going to the pits. Like it was what three quarters of the grid? It must have been. Yeah, there would have been 22 cars, I think, something like that, or 20 cars. And yeah, a good majority of them peeled into the pits. Yeah, and of course, only then uh, six cars started the race. And um, as we know, probably a very uh, surprisingly good day for Jordan, um, which they probably wouldn't have been expecting to be anywhere in contention of that race. But um, but yeah, it's um, a bizarre race to kind of one of the first races for you to watch so of course then you weren't hooked by that but maybe was there some other races uh, afterwards that kind of um, made you fall in love with the sport a bit more um yeah i'd say I'd, I'd started watching a little bit more in 2006 um i remember for some reason waking up at i think it was something like six o'clock in the morning and seeing the end of the australian grand prix which was the third race of the season to see mm. jensen button's engine blow up <laughs> 50 meters from the line oh no um and it was sort of from that sort of season i started getting into it a little bit more and i remember the first race i watched fully um was the hungarian grand prix where jensen actually won that race yeah it was his first grand prix victory mm. and i sort of missed a few races after that but it was from 2006 in japan where again another engine failure this time for Michael Schumacher uh, happened, which uh, pretty much gave Fernando Alonso the uh, charge for the championship. And yeah. From there, I've been pretty much watching it nonstop up until obviously recently with work. 
Yeah, the first, uh, the, but obviously then Alonso went on to become two-time champion and ever since has been trying to add more to his tally and uh, well, highly regarded as one of the best drivers that's ever driven in the sport. But yeah, I, I think definitely think a good year to to watch that. And uh, it was a bit mi- mixed up after the dominant Schumacher era. So um, yeah, I mean, that that was an exciting race having watched back, you know, in the archive. Um, but then I guess for me, my first memories of Formula One, um, I, I think my dad had it on a couple of times in the past, but he, I don't think he ever watched a race like fully through. And to be honest, I, I can't blame him um, for some of the races in, in, in recent times, um, which, you know, sometimes can be seen as a little bit boring, not much is happening and the same person's winning and all of that. Um, but then my sort of love fell for it when um, I was in hospital when I was younger uh, and we got the chance to go to Silverstone um, for the qualifying in 2008. Uh, so the year that Hamilton won uh, in the way, you know, in the changeable conditions, that amazing victory in front of all of his fans. Um, and it was a surprise for me. I didn't know that I was going until literally the morning I woke up and uh, my dad came in and said uh, into, into my hospital room and said, uh, do you want to do you want to go out today? <laughs> like really casually. And he was like, oh, I was obviously like, yes, of course. Yeah, it'd be great to get out because obviously spending your time inside four walls is not very enjoyable. Uh, and he said, shall we go to a Silverstone Formula One Grand Prix for the qualifying? I was like, yeah, of course, dad. Yeah. How's that going to happen? How are we going to make that happen? He was like, I've got tickets. <laughs> okay. Um, and it, yeah, it was, it was done sort of through the hospital. And then of course we just went off and, uh, drove all the way up to Silverstone, um, fairly fast because obviously, uh, qualifying is sort of starting in the morning and, and we were driving to the track and I could... I'd never heard how loud the cars were before off of the ta- off of the TV, and we were about five ten miles away from the track, and you could just hear this the shriek of the V8s, and it was just like the excitement was starting and buzzing straight away. And um, we ended up uh, being really lucky. We got to go around the paddock. I bumped into Mark Webber, and <laughs> going down, um, we got um, signed hats from um, Schumacher and Massa. Um, so yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, sort of my first experience of being in the paddock. And I think being around the buzz of the paddock and all of that, um, I think I was hooked from then. Um, and obviously then going back to hospital the next day and um, seeing Lewis convert, you know, a, a fairly, well, not average qualifying for him, but not the best result. He wasn't on pole to then take the win and sort of the drama that was all in that race. Um, yeah, from then on, I was hooked and watched pretty much every race that there was uh, up right until now, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and didn't you say to me once um, that you uh, went into the Red Bull garage and David Coulthard showed you his steering wheel and <laughs> you might have pressed a button before it crashed? <laughs> yes, this is a great story. Yeah, so um, Red Bull had had, a, I think, a very good day that day. They, they'd qualified quite well in the midfield, um, higher than they had been. Um, and yeah, and Mark, I think, was yeah, in a good position. So they were letting us in the garage. Um, the team were quite jubilant. And they were letting people in and and just saying, yeah, hey, this is the Rebel car, Rebel car. We'll show you around. Um, and they gave me the steering wheel. And they said, please don't drop this. This costs about £25,000. <laughs> I was like, okay, um, I'll try not to. Um, obviously, then I felt the pressure. And these these wheels back then, I don't know what they're like now because I haven't had the, the privilege to hold one since then. But back in those days, they were really heavy. Um, almost like you, I don't know, 
like a 20k dumbbell in the gym like they were they were quite heavy um and there was loads of buttons on the steering wheel as you know very technologically advanced formula one is and um me and my young naive self just switched a few dials pressed a few buttons and i don't know if it had any bearing on the race at all the next day but it just so happened this this was david coulthard's car and uh, i think he went out on like lap one or two um because there was an issue with the car mechanically so I don't know if I had anything to do with that, but it would be pretty funny if I was responsible for the retirement of David Coulthard at Silverstone in 2008. Um, David, if you're listening, I'm very sorry. Um, and Christian, surely... now you know why there was an issue. Yeah, no, Christian, uh, yeah, you can send me an invoice uh, for the car. Please don't do that. It'd probably be a lot of money. Um, so, yeah, no, that was... Um, that was a nice experience for me. Maybe not for David Coulthard uh, the next day. But yeah, so no, for me, getting into sport was uh, a much, very much a privilege. And then watching the races from then on um, was great. And then, of course, um, finishing my stay in hospital, watching the last race of the season um, was obviously in Sao Paulo with the drama on the last lap with Hamilton overtaking Glock, but then the commentator was confused or no one kind of knew how Hamilton got there and Massa had already crossed the line. Massa was on to win his first world title in Brazil. Um, and at that point, he had mathematically done it, but then somehow Hamilton got to the position to give him enough points. And you could the, the, the thing I remember from watching that race, more than anything, was Felipe Massa's dad in the, in the Ferrari garage. And literally, like, his excitement, just his eyes were buzzing, and then suddenly... Oh, oh no. <laughs> and then all the attention, of course, turned to the McLaren garage and you had Nicole Scherzinger with all the, the pit crew going absolutely crazy, uh, running out of the garage onto the pit lane. Yeah, it was like to see that. And as well for, um, of course, a British driver from, from England uh, to win the championship in such dramatic style. I think, you know, again, it kind of ties into the drama and the glitz and the glam that the the sport brings with us on on most occasions it was just something that yeah it was so memorable and again caught caught the bug and then obviously after that went into 2009 season and if you just remember the the story behind that obviously honda were uh, in a lot of financial trouble uh, and nobody thought that they were going to survive in the sport at that time and then ross braun came and bought the team i think he bought it for a pound didn't he or something ridiculous like that. Uh, yeah, it was cheap. Yeah, it was very cheap. Um, and then you never, I don't think you ever hear in the sport of a, of a story like Braun's, do you, where they would literally look so down and out and then they go and win the title next year. And it's, it's just an, such an amazing story as well to have another British champion, uh, Jensen Buttons, um, only world title, but what a, a crazy one it was. Um, so living through those two years and getting into the sport at that time, I think for me particularly uh, as as a Brit and there was two British champions back to back, I think was a was a great moment for me. And you actually, you used to live near Rye House, right? Where Hamilton did a lot of his karting in his younger years. Yeah, yeah, I used to. And so I used to uh, live, say, probably about 20 minutes from where Lewis Hamilton grew up as well, uh, where he grew up in Stevenage. Um, so... He, he's quite a local driver to me um, in terms of like, obviously he used to live near him. He he practiced quite a lot of right, right house. Mm-hmm. Um, but also other drivers like David Coulthard, they used to come down at the weekend and drive from Scotland down to right house to go and practice there. It's um, yeah, quite 
quite a big track for the uh, F1 guys to come down to. Yeah. Um, and quite a few go there. It had a lot of history with that. And where, around where you were living, was there kind of like, you know, talk on the street, if you like, of uh, the, like the drivers that were sort of, they were going to be big things one day? Um, I mean, there wasn't really much talk. Like the people that used to go to the go-kart track, they obviously could tell talent and that. But like, say, I was I was quite young back then, so I never really mm. knew much in terms of you know names and that you didn't know who you were you didn't you didn't know who you were near at all (laughs) no it's only like looking back like now and appreciate how much you um sort of realize how close you actually are to people Mm. it's you know when you know even as recently as last year looking like people like alex albon from where say we, we live quite close together right you know, he he lived in a little village, probably about fifteen twenty minutes from both of us throughout his childhood. It's looking at stuff like that, you realise, oh wow, you know, people that you know you look up to in the sport are so close to you. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, and so yeah, I mean, there we are, some lovely memories. And looking back on how we got into Formula One, and um, yeah, and and just then. Really being besotted with it, I guess, um, after that. And we were lucky enough, both of us, weren't we, to actually put our passions where our mouth were um, to go along to the Silverstone Grand Prix in 2015. And this was uh, around sixth form time. We were in sixth form college, weren't we? And we were like, look, we could have saved up a bit. We've got some money. Let's go for it. And um, we ended up going camping. for. We got there on the Wednesday, didn't we? And that was our first race experience, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the 1st of July. Um, it was in the middle of a heat wave. Like, yeah. It was the only heat wave we had that year. <laughs> and yeah, it was an incredible experience um, for both of us. It was our, it's, you know, people go to like Spain, go to Magaluf for their graduation. Our, ours was <laughs> and we, we went to Formula One because we were so nerdy and we loved cars. <laughs> no, no, uh, no Magaluf for us. Um, yeah, but no, it was, uh, it was a great it was a great week and yeah, we got there really early on the Wednesday. I can remember um, my mum very kindly drove us up to Silverstone all the way from Halstead in sunny Essex. Um, and yeah, it was, we didn't really know what to expect of the whole camping experience either because we were, we were going in on that as well. We weren't just there for the race day. We were, we were, no, we, we, we were hardcore. We were <laughs> yeah, we were, we were not holding anything back. Went went to Woodlands like we we did the full yeah full experience full experience. I'll tell you what, anybody that wants to go to a Grand Prix, like don't just cop out and just go to the race. Do the full experience because it does so many amazing experiences for us. Like back then, I think the World Cup was playing, so we were seeing England on the massive screens. Yeah, that's uh, right. In, yeah, in Canada. Yeah. Um, Wimbledon was on and I think Andy Murray won his I think he won Wimbledon that year and we all got to saw that yeah it was a big year uh, for sport yeah it was huge and and the film Rush just come out and they played on a massive screen for us on the Saturday night yeah remember no it was a great sense of uh, community as well to be amongst all other fans around you as well Um, however our first experience I guess was was great with all of those experiences but uh, let's just say we underestimated the size of the tent we would need i'll let you fill everyone in on, on this oh i mean <laughs> we, we, when you say on a on a thing a two-man tent you take it literally 
bearing in mind we had an entire week's worth of clothes, sleeping bag, cooking equipment, everything you need for camping. We we took a two-man tent, literally, and the pair of us, to which I'm sure Jake will happily put onto the pages, there's a picture of a pair of us, and yeah, we both had the entire week in this tent. And even one night during this heat wave, we had a storm. And let's just say one of us didn't enjoy it as much as the other one. No, not at all. We were so naive. Right? Well, I had not been camping a lot in my younger years before that. And I don't, I don't, I can't imagine you had either. And we were like, yeah, two man tent be fine. And of course, now we know, we look back on it. When you go for a tent, you at least look at the number for how many people it will house and you triple it just to be on the safe side. You know, you've got enough room. Um, so you've got room. Just so you've got room. And I can just remember, yeah, it was very cosy. You can put it that way. And um, I think the night that there was a storm, we, yeah, well, one, it was scary. I'm not going to lie. Thunder was like so loud and lightning thought we were going to like evaporate into fire or something. Uh, and, and then when the storm was going on as well, I believe... Some water did come in the tent that night. Yeah, courtesy of some legs being sticking out the tent. Because <laughs> the tent was that small. Oh, because you're quite a tall guy, aren't I? Are you? And I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm, I'm about three. Yeah. And I'm average. I'm about five seven, five eight. So I was alright, but yeah, I think if we ever went again, definitely six, Big, six eight man tent would definitely be the one. Um, but no, apart from that. We put that aside, didn't we? And we went to all of the sessions. We went to practice. We went to qualifying. Yeah. Um, we saw the uh, GP2 races, GP3 that's races. That's it, yeah. The Porsche Super Cup. We, we went to all of them. Don't matter if they started at nine o'clock in the morning, we were there. And yeah, it was all the stuff that you don't always see if you like watch Sky Sports or if you watch Channel 4. It's the stuff that you don't see. It makes the whole experience so much more immersive. Like the, the behind the scenes. Like um, I remember on the Thursday night we were there. Uh, Sky were doing this uh, live um, F1 show and everybody rushed to the track. Yeah, they did. They were like, go away, go away, go away. Yeah. But we still went on there anyway. I and, think uh, we saw we, we saw up to the stand. we saw a couple of people sort of making a break for it. I think it was in between practice sessions, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And yeah, like one person did it and then everyone kind of just started turning their heads and going, mm, yeah. This might be a good opportunity here. And then literally two became 10 and then 10 became 100. And then, yeah, it's everyone... Probably had a good, good thousand on the track that night. Yeah, everyone rushed onto the track. And then you're just looking at security marshals' faces going, how the they're hell like, do we clear this up? like, can you get off so we can do the show? <laughs> uh, no, we're on Silverstone track. And yeah, we all very... Uh calmly went back up to the stand got our seats and, yeah um yeah we, i think they had uh, nico rosberg on the show that night yeah uh, to which all the british fans booed <laughs> uh, they had lewis hamilton they had nigel mansell yeah they had so many big names just coming onto the grid and we were say from the stand uh on the on the international pit straight which is now the sir lewis hamilton pit straight yes yeah uh, they uh, uh they've yeah, we were there and we were in the stand and we were that close to him. I think Fernando Alonso, was the, he even came on to talk as well. And Felipe Massa and uh, Felipe's son as well, if I remember. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. That was that was cute. Um, <laughs> just his little voice. Yes, I love I love daddy. I love his racing. 
um no, it was it was cool it was a, it was a great time but yeah I, I remember that i think it was made even more special going on to the that section of track because it was fairly new um where the track had been adapted only like a couple of years before so it was really cool for it to get on even though we probably shouldn't have done um but we'll just gloss over that um so yes some memories there of both of our times in formula one how we kind of come to love the sport really and um that grand prix there was kind of a amalgamation of all of that uh, building up to it and um we really hope to do it again sometime I, well for this year chris of course coronavirus is in the way but hopefully um you're gonna be able to, able to go because you were due to go to the grand prix weren't you yeah so i i had tickets with um a friend uh we were gonna be going last year um we were only gonna do the race day because say i'd I've obviously got work. You didn't want to camp again and get wet. <laughs> no, I've, I've still got that two-man tent here. I, 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 don't, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> don't want to relive um, that. But yeah, no. So I got, I got the, uh, I had the time off work for just the race last year, and obviously COVID um, disrupted that. Which you know, it's, it is what it is, and you mm. know, everybody needs to be safe on that. But um, obviously, with the latest uh, stuff that the government have just announced, it's looking ever so likely that hopefully if things pan out the way they are that the grand prix could have full 140,000 attendance which would just for july which would be great because i'll be going i mean pardon the pun but it would literally be like zero to 100 uh in terms of like how life has been um and just imagining well obviously we've been watching and, and living through races that have had no audience or crowd at all uh, no atmosphere to it um which is a bit odd i know it's slightly removed when you're watching tv but for it then to literally be no fans has been really odd to watch and i'm sure for everyone that's there of course is is extremely weird um for the drivers and um they say famously when mansell um won the british grand prix um in in the 90s that it gave him an extra second didn't it or half a second a lap um so yeah it would be great to see fans back at the track soon and um well hopefully you get to go along and um maybe not 140,000 they might limit it but you never know got got to cross our fingers Ho- hopefully i get i get to go so i've got <laughs> i've got the uh i've got the um pit straight actually this year because when we went we had the uh, national pit straight yes no so yeah hopefully you'll be get to go along that and later on in this series uh, in the season we'll hear from you from live, live from Silverstone, how cool would that be? Um, hopefully, let's let's make it happen. Cross all our fingers and, and toes. Um, but yes, yeah, so throughout the season, we're going to follow the races. But of course, there are some weekends where we have breaks and um, teams are moving between races. So on this podcast, we are going to be doing the reviews, but we're also going to be doing covering the, the paddock politics in between races, and we're also going to have some special episodes in those race gaps with some special guests and um we do have a few lined up already that we're really excited about so uh, it's not going to just be me and chris droning on for every single podcast you will hear another voice um to spike your interest a little bit hopefully um but no this is we just thought this would be good for the first episode to get to know us a bit better and um introduce the podcast basically we're massive geeks and we hope that um there are many other formula one geeks out there that can enjoy the podcast for the rest of the season and in the next episode we are going to be uh, taking a look uh, and previewing some of the constructors that are facing the season the formula one 2021 season and how how we predict that they're going to fare 
going across the 23 race calendar, which we think, you know, is probably going to change a little bit before we end the season. But very exciting. Lots of races to look forward to this year and also kind of make up for lost time, really. Yeah, it's it's going to be be an interesting one. Obviously, a lot of changes have happened in the teams. I mean, not so much in the regulations this year because that's all happening next year. But um, yeah, no, a lot of things I think could change and it'll be interesting to see in the next episode how we think that each team's going to fare. All right, so we've come to the end, Chris. Um, we haven't discussed how we're going to end these. How should we do it? Should we? Uh, I'm feeling like, should it be a, a Brucey? It's been nice to hear you nice. Or should it be a kind of pointless style? Should we go full Richard Osman and Alexander Armstrong? Or you could do like the two Ronnies and go, it's goodbye from uh, me and then it's goodbye from him. Yeah, that makes you sound lesser. That's not good. Well, I, was, I was on about you being him. Oh, right. Thanks. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. I'm joking, mate. I'm joking. Well, in that case... It's goodbye from him. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs>